Happy New Year, everybody. Good to see each and every one of you. I hope that you had a great Christmas. I hope you had a good New Year. I hope you had a little bit of a break. I hope you watched some college football. That's what I did. Watched some college football. And uh, my wife sends her love to you tonight. We have a child officially with hives uh, at home right now. So we're, uh, we're, we're killing it in 2023 already. Uh, but she loves each and every one of you and uh, wishes she could be here today. Uh, really quickly, I've got, man, I've got a message I'm so fired up about. Let me just tell you, coming up Sunday, 21 days of prayer. Come on, who's ready? Here we go. 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, I want to encourage you right now to begin to think about what you're going to let go of uh, for 21 days. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Come on, it's hard. Nobody loves doing this, but it's time. You're going to seek him like never before because you're going to go in. So I want you to give up something of great sacrifice. And I highly want to encourage you to consider it to be something food-related, everyone. Why? Because we Americans love food. Uh, I love food almost more than anything in the world. And so for the next 21 days, I will be a grump. But I am so looking forward to what God's going to do in my own heart. And so I want you to go on this journey with us uh, for 21 days. I do want to say a couple of things. This coming Sunday, we'll be rolling out our very first 21 days of prayer for kids, uh, a whole booklet that we've created, uh, our team, and they were actually I saw a couple of people working on it tonight. I'm so excited about this. Uh, I think it's great, and I can't wait for you to do this with your your children. And uh, and of course, we'll be having our prayer services every Saturday this month. So starting this coming Saturday, and then the next three Saturdays from nine to ten a.m. After that, uh, join us as we pray together. And make every day uh, a practice of prayer in your life. Uh, I'm very, very, very excited. And and this first Saturday, of course, is taking place this coming Saturday where we'll have prayer. And then our outreach is taking place uh, in our community from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Would love to see you. And I love the energy that's building behind first Saturdays. Come on. All you that serve. Come on. If you serve on first Saturday, let me hear you make some noise in the room today. I love our first Saturday team. You guys are the best. Thank you for making a difference uh, in the lives of people. All right. I hope you're ready. I've got a message that I want to share with you tonight uh, as we move into this new year that I really believe is a prophetic word for our church and for you. And I actually wrote this message the week uh, before Christmas and uh, was planning on doing it tonight. And then I got to North Carolina with my in-laws And my brother-in-law said, would you preach on New Year's Day? And I said, no, uh, because I don't want to. Uh, And he said, will you please? And I said, okay. And I decided to preach this message. uh, And I told the church, I said, I'm actually preaching this message uh, on Wednesday night at my church. So if it's not good, I need you to tell me so I can trash it uh, and do something new. And they were like, no, do it. And in all seriousness, the Holy Spirit really moved in a powerful way. Uh, And as we go into this time of fasting, I am believing that as we come out of this fast, that this is going to apply to you in a big way. What I want for you is not for you just to coast and just to cruise into another year, but I want you to consecrate yourself, everybody. 
uh, I want you to be on fire for God. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 6 tonight. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh, he's preaching out of Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus chapter 6. And while you're turning there, we're going to do some Bible study. And I I think this message has just the right amount of teaching and preaching. So I'm fired up for that. Anybody, while I'm asking you that, anybody here like to make fires? Uh, Anybody in the room? Come on, let me see your hand. Look around the room. These are all the people you need to be afraid for. These are your pyros uh, in the room. Let's just take a poll. How many people in the room have a gas fireplace in their place of living? Gas fireplaces. How many people have real fireplaces? Like, these are the hardcore people, okay? These people make their own fires. They're not afraid to clean them up. We have a gas fireplace. This time of the year, it it's, you know, can be on. It's either 15 or 75. We're never really sure. Uh, but when it's on, I feel like it does absolutely nothing in the house whatsoever. And yet Kendra still uh, will turn it on, because I guess because it looks good. Um, but for years, I, I've told you guys, I've gone to the Boundary Waters and... Uh, in the Boundary Waters, where I, where I really learned how to make a fire, like, like a for real fire, like in the middle of a wilderness fire, uh, which I didn't know how to do. Honestly, if I had gone by myself, I would have been dead uh, because we went in uh, a time it was actually raining uh, pretty hard when we uh, paddled into about the, it takes us about three hours to paddle into this very remote, remote area. Your phone doesn't work uh, in the wilderness. And it was, it was, it was difficult. Uh, every, everything that first year was wet. Uh, and I learned that year the whole process of gathering small sticks and, and, tend, and, and building it slow and then adding the bigger sticks as you're going along. A couple of you are like, very good, Dusty. Yeah, that's simple stuff you're talking about. Uh, and then to build it up off the ground, to, to, to begin to blow underneath, to send oxygen through it. And as we made that fire, I remember it was like a 30-minute process, and then we were just constantly, the whole time that we were there at the Boundary Waters, we, we would work on the fire. And here's what I learned about fires. A real fire requires tending. And if you don't tend to the fire real quickly, very quickly, come on, it'll die. If you do nothing, and do nothing, it's, it's not too long before you're looking at the embers on the floor of the fireplace or on the ground. A while back, I was uh, doing my studying through the Bible, and uh, I came to the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus is usually the place in Scripture where people who are in their one-year Bible go to die. Uh, It's the place where it's very difficult, and they don't understand, and 619 laws of the Torah, and I just have no idea what I'm reading, and I just can't, God, I'm going to give you what I can give you, you know, and... So a lot of people quit in Leviticus, but I, I just made the decision, like I remember that year, like, man, I really want to read the book of Leviticus with the intent to try to understand, like, why these laws were in place. And, uh, and so I just committed myself to study it. And when, when you get to Leviticus chapter 6, Leviticus chapter 6 is all about the rules regarding a type of sacrifice. Now, there are five different sacrifices that you find in Old Testament scripture. The first is what's known as burnt offerings. And it's probably the one you're the most likely to understand or to get right if you're asked what the different types of offerings are. In the scriptures, it's the word ola, which is, it means to ascend. It, it's, it's literally to go up and smoke. And with a burnt sacrifice, the entire offering is consumed. It is meant to be an act of devotion that is symbolic. 
It's basically saying this, God, everything that's here is going up to you. It's, it's almost like an act of worship where you're saying, God, I want, I want you to have all of me. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying in the room right now? I want, I want my whole life to be devoted to you. That's what it's meant. All of me is yours, God. That's a burnt offering. The second type is called a grain offering. This is a thanksgiving offering. So in the thanksgiving offering, part of the offering is burned and part of the offering is given to the priest. So I just want you to know that if you'd like to bring a grain offering to church sometime, we will burn part of it, but we've actually switched it to Chipotle. So if you'll just bring the other half, that's not true. But if you want to, I'm fine with it. Uh, the third is peace offerings. Uh, this is a fellowship offering. Part, part of it was consumed. Part of it was given to the priest. And then part of it was eaten by the person that was offering uh, the, the sacrifice. This is now known as uh, Super Bowl Sunday, uh, where we all should, no, I'm kidding, together, that was bad. Uh, and then the fourth and the fifth offerings really are, are sort of the same. You know, the difference is, is basically this between the two of these, is that one is for intentional sin, the other is for unintentional sin. And, and, and a lot of people are like, wow, there's, you have to do an offering for that, for unintentional sin. Like I didn't know it, you know, it didn't seem like a big deal at the time when I did it, but now I've realized that I did something wrong and I didn't know it uh, and I'm, I'm guilty. And that's, that is what is known as a guilt offering. Isn't it interesting that in our culture today, we rare, very rarely do this, but this is a huge part uh, of, I believe, a real relationship with Christ, especially when the Old Testament is a foreshadowing to our relationship with God in, in the New Testament. So... When we get to Leviticus 6, it is specifically about the rules and the regulations around burnt offerings. And as I read this in Leviticus chapter 6, there is just something that just jumps off the page at me because the same instruction is listed several times. And before I read it to you, I want to just share with you one thing that just as a precursor to this. So somebody asked me a question recently that I've been thinking about. And the question was this, um, what, what, is, what is your greatest challenge as a pastor to your church? And as, as I started to thinking, thinking about it, the, the question or the answer to that question started to become sort of easy for me. Um, because we're an established church uh, if you're new to our church, welcome. I'm so glad you're hanging out with us. But this church has a very rich history. It goes back many, many, many years. And uh, we are a, a generational church. It's actually probably one of my favorite things about our church. I, I've said this sometimes, that sometimes there's churches for young people, it seems like, and there's churches for old people, you know. But our church is just a mixture of that. Like, I'll look out on a Sunday, and it's nothing for me to see three generations in one family worshiping together. And I'm going to tell you, I love that. I love that. I actually think that's how it should be. That all the generations coming together, you know, where the young can learn from the old and the old can teach the young. And man, there's just something. How many people know our God is a multi-generational God, everybody? And so I just think it's a beautiful picture. But, and that's a great thing about a legacy church like ours, a generational church, is, is it's it builds consistency, and, and, and even our church, like a lot of healthy, healthy, healthy things. We have a really healthy church in regards to serving uh, and, 
in regards to giving and, and consistency and so many strong things. But I told this, this guy who asked this question, I, I told him, I said, my greatest challenge as a pastor to our church, I think is to make sure that our church doesn't grow apathetic and comfortable. Because when you think about it, there is every reason for that to be a possibility of happening. I mean, look around (laughs) this room today and tell me we're not crazy blessed to be able to worship where we worship. We have, like, have y'all gone and heard some of the sound at other people's churches? Like, we've got amazing worship, amazing sound. Our facilities, like our team is top-notch. This place is amazing. Not only that, but I watch all y'all. Like, a lot of y'all are friends, you know? Like, you got your people. You know, you're showing up. You're hugging 95 people. You know, it's like, I got my people. I'm comfortable. You know, everything is good. And it can be really easy, if you're not careful, to stop tending to the fire. And so it's been my prayer, like recently, God, help me to do my part. Help me, oh God, to make sure that I'm doing everything to keep the fire burning in the hearts of the people of our church. God, let us be the type of people that are burning for you, no matter when things are good, no matter when things are bad. Come on, how many people in this room want to be the kind of person that you burn for God in the bad seasons, in the good seasons, in the dry seasons, in the rainy seasons? God, I want my life to be on fire for you. To not just let another year come where I say, oh, you know, new year, here I am. I'm going to go through the motions again. We got this event coming up and next month's dream team party. And we're going to make this happen and do that because we do that all the time. And I'll just be a good little Christian. No. God, let the fire of my heart burn for more of you. I've told our staff this for several years now that the key I really feel is like, To learn to be content while also at the same time contending for more. Did you know that that's possible? To come to a place in your life where you're content with where God, God, I'm just content. Like the job you've given me, the friends you've given me, if this is where you've got me right now, I'm content with what I've got. So many people I know can never be content with where they're at. They're always, they're always upset, always mad about their circumstances. And there is such a thing as finding peace in your today. And some of us need to find peace in our today. But at the same time, to always be looking to take more ground. To always contend for more. And I've just, I started thinking as I was preparing this message of of how many things God has done for people's lives in this church right now over this past year. And I know that there have been some some people that have walked very hard roads in 2022. Some very, it was a discouraging year. It was a hard year. It it was a year of, of, of challenge. You know, there were some of you that lost someone in 2022. And then I know other people that have had like, man, just a great year. But I started thinking about just in our church alone, like the ground that God has allowed us to take. And I, I thought back about Seek Week where so many of you showed up and you were praying. And, you know, so, so many stories I heard about the semesters where you're, you're with your groups and, you know, building relationships. And it's obvious that God has started a fire in so many of you. But come on, 
He's not just done a good work. He wants to keep doing a good work, everybody. And the challenge for us is to tend the fire and to keep pushing for more. And then I come to Leviticus chapter 6. And I read this. This is what it says. It says, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning. And the fire must be, come on, everybody say it with me, must be, must be kept burning on the altar. You can't let it go out. You gotta make sure that everything ascends, that it keeps going. And then, just a couple of verses later, the fire on the altar must be, come on, everybody say it, kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. And the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Three different times the fire is mentioned and the command is given, don't let the fire burn out. Now I started thinking about this. Why? Why is it so important that the fire must not go out. I just want to give you a few thoughts that I think really will stand out in your own heart, in your own mind, as we start out this year. Why did the fire need to stay burning? Number one, the burnt offering symbolized total devotion. The burnt offering symbolized total devotion. Think about this again. Notice, remember what I said about a burnt offering. Nothing on that sacrifice was to just not be burned. Like the whole thing was to be consumed. Every ounce, every inch, every part of that sacrifice, every part of it consumed and totally given to God. In fact, let me take this a step further and say this. Not only was the burnt offering meant to be totally consumed, but it was done every day. And it actually wasn't just done once a day. It was done twice a day. If you go back to Exodus 29, it says, this is what you're to offer on the altar regularly each day. Two lambs a year old offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of the meeting before the Lord. Now, here in Leviticus 6, where we are right now, we see the command for how the lamb was to burn, slowly and entirely. So every single morning, at the the start of the day, priests would go out, you would take that one-year-old lamb, and he would place it on the fire to be consumed. And then, as the fire burned, the priests would take these hot coals from that fire, and they would, they would take it into the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now remember, two different chambers to this tent. The altar of incense set right before the veil that separated uh, the, the holy place from the holy of holies. In fact, this is what Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, was doing in Luke 1. I'll just show you this really quickly. It says, uh, it says when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God... He was chosen by lot according to the customs of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn the incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. That's what he was doing. He was taking the hot coals 
from that sacrifice in, and he was putting it on the altar of incense. And out of that altar of incense, a fragrance would come out of the incense, which was like a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God every single day. So don't miss this. Every morning and every night, that sacrifice was made, and the coals would be taken to the altar of incense. That, that evening sacrifice would be made. The first sacrifice, 9 a.m. The second sacrifice, 3 p.m. If you use the Jewish system of time, the Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified at what time? 9 a.m. And that he dies on the cross at what time? 3 p.m. Jesus became the burnt offering. Totally consumed. Totally given to God. In totality for you and for me. Two burnt offerings. To start the beginning of the day. To end the day. A reminder for all of the people. To be completely and devoted to God. That we would not just be devoted on Sundays. Oh come on church. That we wouldn't just be devoted on Wednesday nights. Or in fasts, or at the beginning of years, or in seek weeks, but totally devoted every day of our lives. As I was studying for this message, I actually felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I became really convicted because I, I was looking forward, honestly, to the break. I was just going to take a break and just chill. Because, man, the rush of life's been hard, and we need those breaks. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, breaks in the rush of your life does not mean breaks in your devotion to me. Friends, I believe that God still wants our devotion in the same way. In the same way every day. At the start of the day, he wants your devotion. At the end of the day, he wants your devotion. There's a commitment found within this in the Old Testament that says, Lord, have all of me. I want all of you. Leviticus 6, look at it. It says the fire must be kept burning on the altar. Come on, say it with me. Continuously. It must not go out. The word continuously is the Hebrew word Talmud. It means it, it speaks of a continual ritual. In fact, one commentator who was writing on this particular part of the scriptures had this to say about it. He said this. He said the Tamid rituals sacralize the virtue of piety as a perpetual, habitual, constant mode of living. Regular, not occasional acts of worship anchor life in God and enable a ceaseless orientation to God. In other words... We keep the fire burning so that we can constantly give ourselves to God. Now, let me just make this practical for just a second. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you constantly give yourself to God, did you know that you actually avoid disorientation? Some of you don't understand what that means. Here's what it means. The only way I would explain it is like this. Some of y'all, it's a brand new year. And you're like, I'm about to hit the gym. I got to get back into it. I got to start doing my thing. And you haven't done it for a long time. I just need to warn you. When you go back for that first time, you are going to be what we'd like to call disoriented. You are going to hate your life. You're going to want to punch a kitten. Life as you know it is going to cease to be what you thought it could be. And you will walk into the gym saying, I can't wait to work out. And you will walk out of the gym saying, why did I work out? 
you'll be disoriented because your body's not used to it and it has to acclimate, has to reacclimate. And let me just tell you what happens. The same thing can happen with your spirit. See, many of us, we lack prayer lives. We, we lack times in our lives where we have Bible reading. The, the national average, I've been studying this, the national average for church attendance prior to COVID was 2.6 times a month. It's now down to 1.7 times a month. And so what happens? We haven't been reading. We haven't been praying. We haven't been worshiping. We walk into church and all of a sudden we don't like what we feel. I don't feel like I'm, the music's not, uh, it's not hitting me the same way. Man, I'm praying, but I feel sort of dry. And, and let me tell you what's happening. Your spirit's trying to find a signal again. And so we're dead and we're dark and we're cold and we think the problem is a church or we think the problem was the worship center. The problem, man, that Dusty's got some issues. But did you know that if you're off with a compass by just a degree, give it a few days and you'll be so off your target that you're lost. Friends, when, when you daily sacrifice yourself to God, when you daily spend time with him, when you daily spend uh, time worshiping and meditating, you stay in tune and you stay on fire. It's like you looking down at a fire while you're reading your Bible and going into your relationship. That's why 1 Thessalonians says it this way, rejoice always and Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's such a, devalue, such a value in total devotion. It keeps us oriented to the presence of God. It keeps us oriented to the voice of God. So that when God speaks, you're not having to try to tune into a frequency. No, no, I spent time with him yesterday and I heard his voice. I spent time with him the day before that and I heard his voice. Last week I spent time with him and I heard his voice. His voice is a familiar voice. So is your fire burning? Are you hot? Are you, are you keeping the fire of your spirit hot every single day continuously? Some say, well, that was then. There's no sacrifices anymore, Pastor Dusty. Friends, the Bible actually says it differently. Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Let me just say this. What he had in mind in Leviticus chapter 6, he still has in mind in Romans chapter 12, that you would live your life as it's a continuous sacrifice to our God. That in light of what he's done for you, in light of how he's saved you, the only rational, the only logical response that you could have is to give everything that you have to him. To which I say it this way, that it just doesn't make sense to have one foot in church or to have one foot in your spiritual life with God and one foot in the world or one foot to be half-hearted. He wants people who are on fire for him. He wants us to live in this kind of way constantly. Total devotion. He wants people who are on fire. 
so it's, we see things like this in Romans 12.1. We see it again in Romans 12.11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Like stay hungry. I love the way the message says it. Look at it. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled. And look at it. A flame. Be alert, servants of the master. So don't let your fire go out. Can I just be honest with you about how most people interact with God? I may make somebody a little upset here. That's okay, but here's, here's the truth. Most people in their relationship with God move from episode to episode. They're on fire, and then it goes out. And then they need a certain type of service, or they need a certain kind of touch before they're back on track. Or... Some people have tragedy or life slaps them in the face. I can't tell you how many people have been a pastor over 20 years. I can't tell you how many people. It's like they come up to me. I've not seen you in months and now you're in tragedy and you're here. I'm glad you're here, but where have you been? Because if you were here, maybe you could have avoided what you're facing right now. Pastor Dusty, I'm so upset this has happened. Can you hear God for me? I can't hear God for you. You can only hear God for you. And I'm not condemning you right now. Please, please hear me. I'm teaching you. There's a better way for you. How much better to be dialed in all of the time so that when we face something hard, we immediately can go to God and we can recognize his voice because we've been with him. Here's the second reason that the fire needs to stay burning. I wrote this down, that the fire was started by God. Now this is so important. This is so important because when you're in Leviticus 6, all you see is the instructions about the fire and the burnt offering. But in chapter 9, they actually offer the very first burnt offering. And check this out. In Leviticus 9, it says, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of the meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy, and they fell face down. This is a powerful thing. Listen to me. God's the one that lights the fire. It's a powerful moment when God lights the fire in your heart. Now listen to me. I want to pastor you for just a second. I'm about to give you a very important principle for you to remember. Look at this. It's a spiritually deadly thing to stop what God has started in your heart. It's a deadly thing to have a fire in you and through complacency or just a lack of attention, to now look and to see that the fire is just embers of what was. And maybe you're here and you're, you're, you're trying to start out 2023. You're saying, you know what? I'm gonna go to first Wednesday. I'm gonna make this year different. I'm gonna really pursue him. Like, but there's some of you in this room, let's just be honest. You've been in church, 
But you're no different than you were a year ago. Your life's no different than it was 24 months ago. Everything's kind of the same when it comes to your relationship with God. Let me just tell you, your fire's out. You go through the emotions, you play the game, but there is not a red hot fiery love for God. The fire is out. And I want to interject something in here because I think this is so applicable to this. It'll seem like I'm going sideways, but I'm telling you it's it's relatable. Exodus 27. It says this, in the tent of the meeting outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for generations to come. So let me explain this for just a second. When you came into the tabernacle, which was a tent originally, there were two chambers. Like I said, holy place, holy of holies, a curtain separating the two. Into the Holy of Holies, the priest could only go in there one time a year. And it was after a number of sacrifices of repentance. But the priest would go into that holy place. And there would be all these different pieces of that tabernacle. There would be the table of showbread. And like I said a moment ago, the altar of incense. And on the left was a lampstand made from 75 pounds of gold. And out of that lampstand had different lamps coming out of it that these priests were to keep lit. That lampstand, I believe, represented a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit. And when that fire is illuminated, it illuminates Jesus to you. In fact, Jesus said this would happen. In the New Testament, John 16, Jesus is talking here. He said, he, talking about the Holy Spirit, will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So he reveals the will of God to you. The word of God, the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus to you. The Holy Spirit makes you more like Jesus. And that candle, that lampstand in Exodus 27 is a foreshadowing of the symbolicness of what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. But then we get to 1 Samuel 3 and just something really interesting happens. In 1 Samuel 3 it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the high priest. In those days, the word of the Lord, I want you to notice this. The word of the Lord was rare. And there were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And then notice this next part. It says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out but it was on its way. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark was. So Eli's the high priest. And what we learn is that 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 fire was going out. Now here's what I think. I'm just, I need to say that this isn't gospel, but I just want to, I think it's symbolic that that fire going out, it was going out in Eli's life too. What was happening with the fire was symbolic of what was happening in Eli's life. It was happening, I think, physically, and I think it was happening spiritually, too. He couldn't see what God was doing at this particular point in his life. It it didn't make any... And and notice the word of the Lord says visions were rare. The word of the Lord was rare. 
It was weakening. Eli wasn't hearing. And when God comes to speak, I notice something. That he speaks to Samuel, but not to Eli. And he's so loud, it jolts Samuel awake, but not Eli. And if you notice, if you read your Bibles, Eli cannot hear the Lord speaking, but he can tell Samuel how to hear. Can I just tell you this? There's nothing more tragic than being able to tell others how to hear, but not being able to hear God for yourself. I can think of nothing more tragic than God moving in a place, but because someone is completely missing it because they're disinterested or their fire's out or they're not in tune with what God's doing. The lamp of the tabernacle hadn't gone out yet, but it was on its way. In chapter three, it's gone out. Chapter four, the Bible tells us the ark is taken. Eli and his sons die and the glory departs from Israel. And when the fire goes out, here's what I've learned. You still know some things, but you have no power. That's why I've met some alcoholics who can sit at bars and tell people more things about the Bible than just about anybody else, but they have no power in their life because they had chosen not to live it. I can explain spiritual truths, but I can't practice it and live it for myself. This is why we must keep the fire burning. Leviticus 9, God starts the fire. But come on, it's your job to keep the fire going. I want the band to come. Now listen to me. God started a fire in you the day that you got saved. You remember that? Can I just take you back for a second? To that moment in your life where you realized He saved. Remember how you felt? Remember how you just couldn't shut up? Remember how you couldn't wait to get to church? What have you done? But that's not the only fire. I can think of a few other fires in your life. For some of you, in fact, I wrote a couple of them down. The, The first fire is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Really, it's another fire. You remember that? Some of you, if you've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life, it was like fire. That's what John the Baptist said. He said, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit falls, the Bible says that flames or tongues of fire settled on them and they were filled and they spoke in tongues. So listen to me, if you've ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, every time you pray in the Spirit, you... Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I'm here to tell you something, that if you've got access to a prayer language in your life, 
you don't do it every day, you're not tending the fire. You got to tend that. Sometimes I'll not just tend the fire in my own life. I'll go into my girls' rooms at night and I'll just stand in their rooms and I'll just say, I'll just start praying over them. If you don't, if you don't listen, you know what you've done. You've lost sight of the value of that gift that he who talks in a tongue doesn't talk to, to men, talks to God. 1 Corinthians 14, everybody. Anyone who speaks in a tongue you're stirring the fire. You're kindling the fire in your soul. You're building the fire. You're stoking the fire. Last week as I was writing this, or two weeks ago, and I was writing this message. Oh my goodness, I felt the Holy Spirit just come on me as I was typing. And I just started praying in tongues right there at that keyboard. I said, Lord, I just need to fan the fire of my own soul right now. I just, in fact, listen, I need to explain something to you about this service. This is a believer's service. Okay, that's how we bill it. It's what it is. So I'm under the assumption that every person in this room tonight is a believer. And you may not understand where you are with the whole tongues thing. I've preached on this many times. You can go back and listen to messages on this. But in this environment right now, I'm just, I'm telling you, like I'm not afraid of it. In fact, this is the kind of environment where we welcome and just say, come on, Holy Spirit, just begin to move in this place. And, and if you have access to a prayer language right now, e- even in your own heart, in your own mind, I just, I just want you to edify yourself in the Holy Spirit right now. Say, what does that look like? I just want you to just start praying right now. If you do it, just pray in tongues right now. Just open up your mouth all over this room. If you've never done that before, I'm telling you, the fire of God could fall on you tonight and that could take place in your life. But Father, we just welcome you in this place. Now remember, you're not speaking to somebody else. You're speaking to God as you begin to do this. Just pray in the spirit right there. Just pray. Not loud, you know, not to be a disruption, but just... Oh, Holy Spirit, I fan the flame that you've got inside of my own heart. Lord, I need to be awakened to what you've got. I need the fire of God on my heart right now. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your job is to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Not not five months later, not two months later, but to stay full of the Holy Spirit where he's got you right now. He's ministering to you. He's speaking to you every day. Come on, be filled with the Spirit every day. Be refilled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Now look at me. Stop and look at me. If you don't do that, the fire can go out. Here's the second one. This is the one we're about to really jump into in a moment. The second one is the gifts or the abilities that God has given to you. This is another fire. I want you to look at this. 2 Timothy 1, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
Are you seeing this? For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We typically quote this part. We don't always quote this part. This part is massively important. Because please understand what the gift is that's being talked about here. It's not your natural gift. It's not, it's not a gift that you got, oh, I'm athletic, you know, or, or God made me good with numbers, or he gave, gave me a great personality, or made me funny. God gives you gifts and talents. But this one is different. This is a gift that God gives you when your pastors and your leaders in your life lay hands on you. And you say to God, God, awaken every gift in my life. And you know what God does? He gives it to you. But then he gives you the responsibility to keep the fire growing and to keep building the fire in your life. So what gifts has he given you, church? What gifts has he given you? Are are you stirring up what he's placed on the inside of you? There was a song we used to sing called Stir Up the Gifts. That was the name of the song. And everybody would kind of point at each other. They'd point at, stop stirring up the gifts of God. It's really weird. A couple of you know what I'm talking about though right now. But God, I'm telling you, like I just say, God, every gift that you put on the inside of me. Lord, if it's leadership, if it's ministry, if it's the prophetic, Lord, if it's healing, whatever gifts you put on the inside of me, Lord, I want to use my gifts for your glory. I don't want the gifts that you've given me to lie dormant inside of me. As I come into 2023, I'm asking that this is the best year of alignment that you've given me with every single gift that you've put in my life. Holy Spirit, help me to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the gifts that you've given me. Are you burning today? I want you to stand all over this room right now. Man, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And here's here's what I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Let me just say this really quickly. If you're not as on fire as you used to be, it's not because you've matured. I don't know why people act like that. Like, oh, I, you know, I'm older now. I've been in church more. So I've matured. Those kinds of, the fire of God in a mature person is an evident, like, everyday desperate pursuit. If you're maturing in God, it means that you're on fire more every single day. I'm telling you, I'm preaching this to you right now. It's what I feel like God's speaking to me. And I feel like he's speaking it to you too. And here's what I want us to do. The team's gonna go into songs here in just a moment. But I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, just to close tonight, like, like would you just invite them just to pursue me in 20, would you just say, Lord, uh, like I want the fire to burn in my heart right now. I want the fire of God to be consuming. I want, I want all of me to go up to heaven right now as an act of devotion. This year in 2023, I want, I want more of me to be consumed of God than ever before in my life. Come on, I want you just in this moment right now to just lift your hands all over this room. I'm just, I'm just gonna begin to pray and I'm just gonna invite you right now to pray. And then here in a moment, we're gonna move. But man, I'm telling you, I don't, like God help me, help me, help me, help me to keep our church always moving forward to a desperate 
pursuit of your presence. Oh God, help us every single moment. Like never let us get content. Never let us just go through the moments. Let us never go through the motions, but help our lives to be fervently like consumed by the presence of God in every moment. Lord, as we go into 21 days of prayer, somebody in this room tonight, Lord Jesus, that they feel like the embers have grown cold and they feel like they're just dormant. Tonight's gonna start a new season in your life of pursuing God in ways that you never imagined. And I just declare over your life right now that the fire of God's gonna come alive in you again. That the fire of God's gonna reawaken some things that you've not felt, that you've not heard. Some dreams, some visions, some pursuing of Him right now. Like I'm believing right now that you're gonna come back and awaken to His presence, awaken to His voice, awaken to Him right now, church. I declare it in the prophetic right now over you. In fact, if you feel like in this room that you've just been in a dead season 2022 for whatever reason represented a dead season in your life and you just say like boldly today like dusty this message is for me i need to get fire back in my bones again of the holy spirit like i need him in a fresh way this year and i need to be reignited all over again we're going to actually ask right now that the holy spirit begins to do that in your life and so if that's you i just want you to step out from where you're at and i want you to meet me down at this altar today and we're just going to ask god like god come in this room god come begin to move in people's hearts begin to minister lord i want 20 2023 to be the year that I'm more on fire for you than ever before. Lord, I'm asking right now that every dead and dry and dormant thing would come alive. Some of you have been depressed. Some of you have been emotionally just like shut down. Some of you feel like you, you feel like you've just been in a season of despondence. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is going to break you out. You're going to receive revelation like never before. Come close. Come close to the altar. Come close. I'm telling you, it's like, a, it's like a moment in your life. Like we're gonna agree that God's gonna do something in you and reawaken some things that need to be reawakened. It's not a move to say, oh God, I'm, I'm so good. It's a move to say, God, today I come to, in a heart of repentance. And today I say, Lord, I rededicate myself. I lay myself down at the altar so that I can be a burnt offering, that I can be totally consumed by you. And Lord, I'm asking right now that you move in my heart. Some of you going to your knees right now in an act of surrender. If you want to do that, that's fine. If you want to stay standing, stay standing. But man, I'm saying like, Lord, I, I need to be consumed right now. I need, I need some things to be awakened in me, awakened in my heart. Okay, and now somebody in this room that just says this, that says, Lord, I want more of your presence right now in 2023. I, I don't feel like I'm dead, but man, I need, I just want to like burn. And you're just saying, Lord, consume me today. If that's you and you just want to come, I want you to come. I want you to step out right now. Like this is a time, this is a safe moment. Like Lord, consume me. And as we're doing this and as we're praying and as we're singing here in just a moment, some of our prayer team, I want you just to come and we're going to lay hands in faith and we're going to believe God. I'm, I'm going to spend some time praying for some people tonight. Like, man, let the fire awaken in your hearts.